Good stuff. All right. Good morning. Boy, we're having a good day today, and we're not even done yet. You guys ready for the word? Yep. All right. Turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Boy, I did warn my wife. I told her she's going to ball. That's what I said. Maybe she thought I meant play basketball. But, uh, boy, let me tell you, I, I'm a little choked. I'm still choked up. Ugh. Whew. That was really good stuff. But uh, that was cool. It's fun to... Uh, to put that kind of stuff together. Hopefully you moms are blessed. I appreciate you very much. appreciate my own mom. And those of you who are the spiritual moms, the aunts, the, the grandmothers in our church, we need your mothering gifts, your nurturing. We need it, and our kids need it, right? It, I love that Michelle's parents, uh, they, they live with us, and it adds such a support to my family, to my kids. And so to have people in our church moms and, and spiritual moms giving extra love to our kids right i, I see tammy take kaden to disneyland because she puts on facebook no <laughs> i just mess it around it, it, it adds too plus i mean i get right andrew melissa you guys get a little break but i'm telling you it adds love to that boy right he has biological grandparents but let me tell you dude charles and tammy just loving on kaden i mean i'm just thinking of that as one example I love that about our church. I love that about you guys. All right? I love that. All right, so let's dive into the Word of God here. The Lord has a word for you today as we're learning to steward the kingdom, His kingdom, right? His kingdom, Ephesians chapter 5. And we've been learning that, number one, He's the owner, right? He's the Lord. He owns everything. He created everything, and He gave us this world to steward as people made in His image. And even though we messed it up, he redeemed us and ransomed us with his blood, and so he purchased us back, and now we're his, amen? Jesus is Lord, and we've brought, been brought into the kingdom, and he's become our Lord, he's the owner, he's the master, and we're stewarding or managing, stewarding is just a, a, you know, an old-fashioned word for being the manager, God's the owner of the business, you're the manager, and we're stewarding his stuff. When you came in, everything that you have and everything you are is a blessing from God that you get to steward. I get to steward, right? Every breath we breathe, every second we live, every dollar that we get or earn or whatever, right? Every relationship, every relationship, that includes your marriage, right? Your kids, right? Mom, you're stewarding these little ones for the Lord, right? That's what we're learning, we're learning that he's the owner and we're managing what he's given to us. And our responsibility as managers is to cultivate, to invest, to take what he's given us, the blessings of God, and to cultivate it and to invest in it so that it grows and it increases. And we've learned that on one hand, a steward or a manager will be held accountable. We've looked at a number of scriptures about this. This is the basic truth about a manager a manager will be held accountable for how he or she manages the other person's stuff but the other side of that is if you manage well if you're faithful in the little you'll be if you manage well if you're diligent and integrous if you cultivate and bring forth life from what god has given you you get blessed right and see so what we've been learning is that god wants to bless us this is where we we've been pushing into this all year that God wants to bring freedom and breakthrough and healing. He wants to bring blessing. He wants to provide. He wants to come through for us. But what God wants to do, the blessing that God has promised in his word, and we've showed you how God promises that blessing in the word. It's nothing that we earn. It's all because of the grace of God we have in Christ Jesus. But listen, it's not what he wants to do for you. We saw this last week. It's what God wants to do in and through you. So often, we want God to do something for us. It's not that he doesn't do some things for us. But like when you're, like you're, in a, you're in a mess, maybe you got yourself in the mess and you can't get yourself out. You say, God, help me, and he, and he delivers you. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to come to him, hear his sayings, and do them so that we're, our life will be on the rock of God's word. Right? We've looked at Luke chapter 6 a lot. He wants to do something in us. The blessing of God that he wants to release in our lives is not something he does for us like we're passive or we're robots, or we're babies. No, he wants us to be managers, stewards of this blessing. He wants to cultivate the wholeness and the wisdom and the character in us so that he can bless us and then through us bless others. Amen? 
So we're learning how to do this. That's what we're doing. We're learning how to steward the kingdom, how to, how to steward things like our time and our money and our relationships. And of course, there are so much wisdom out there in the Word of God, so much wisdom in the Word of God that we could go on each of these subjects for a long time, right? That's why a preacher or a pastor, or you might read a book on stewarding your money and go very in-depth into that, right? Very in-depth into books on your marriage or how to parent or, 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 or your work or your calling. People go get degrees for this kind of stuff, right? Because there's so much wisdom in the Word of God for how to be a good steward. So it's not like we're going to cover all, everything in these next number of weeks, but the Lord does want us to hit on some major, major uh, principles of wisdom. He wants to give you wisdom of how you can steward God's stuff and see the blessing of God in your life. So in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at another uh, a principle of wisdom here. And Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would speak to us and reveal yourself to us as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. This is the New King James Version. And it reads like this. Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me just stop there. There's a lot more there, but let me just stop right there. Let me unpack this. You see how he starts off? See then that you walk circumspectly. Means carefully. Be careful how you live. Meaning, don't be thoughtless. Don't just live your life doing, 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 being busy, and just going so fast that you're influenced by the culture, conform to this world, and not thinking, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? Don't just blow through life. Blow through your money. Blow through your time. Blow through your marriage. And just go, 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 go. And do, 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 do. And not stop and think, why am I doing these things? And what am I doing? Like we talked about last week, we've got to take a look at our garden or the garden of our soul, the garden of our life, and look, are there weeds? Are there thorns? Are there things that need to be cultivated? What is this supposed to look like? God, what do you want my life to look like? And so he says, be careful how you live. Be thoughtful on the way that you invest your life and invest your time. And he goes on and explains that. Not as fools, but as wise. Don't be a fool. Don't be somebody who doesn't have wisdom about their life. But be wise. Be wise. That's what we need, isn't it? If you're going to be a manager of someone else's stuff, you need wisdom. Wisdom is practical, skillful knowledge about life. It means being skillful at life, skillful at these things. So then he says, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. It means to make the of every opportunity, of every moment. It can be every day. Every week, every month, every season of your life, every hour. See, Paul is saying, don't squander your time. Don't waste it. Don't miss what God has for you in each day or in each season of your life. Then he goes on to say, because the days are evil. And he says that in 17, then he, clear, and then he explains... Another step. He says, therefore, do not be unwise. See, now he's telling you how not to be a fool. He's telling you how to be wise. At first he was saying, look, look, be careful how you live. Be thoughtful. And make the most of every opportunity. Don't be a fool, but be wise. Okay, now how do I be wise? How, 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 how am I supposed to be wise? Well, let me tell you, therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This word understand, it means to know something so deeply and thoroughly that you're an expert at it, that it's natural, second nature to you, or first nature. See, understanding is different than having information or knowledge. It's when it just flows out of you. So, for example, like, I know that people work on cars and fix them. 
I know that there's an engine and brakes and all that and fluids and stuff. I mean, I can, you know, I don't know how to do that stuff, right? I have no understanding about things like that. Now, let's say that I wanted to start working on a car. I'm like, oh, I'm going to save some money. So I go and get a book. Or, you know, nowadays you look online. Am I going to be able to do these things naturally? No. I'm going to have to look at the book every two seconds, right? How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Even if I were given a step-by-step instruction manual, I'd still be lost, wouldn't I? And probably I'd end up causing problems and spend more money. Yeah? Most likely. But let's just say I'm really good at following instructions. It's still not second nature to me, is it? When you do something the first time, when you're reading, if you will, a manual, it's not fully integrated into your being, is it? It takes time, doesn't it, to learn a subject and then to get good at a subject? Yes? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Any of you who have a degree in something, any of you who are good at what you do, like Ed, right? It takes some practice, doesn't it, Ed, to do your job, right? He's had to learn over time. How do you do this? There's a lot of technical things about his job. You've got to work at it, you know? And so that's what understanding is. Understanding is you've so learned a subject, you have such a knowledge about it, that it's become integrated and become natural. Natural. Does it make sense? You're skillful at it. This is what, this, what wisdom and understanding is. And what Paul's saying is, he's saying understand the will of the Lord. Understand. He's not just saying find out about it, like in a casual sense or in an intellectual sense. He's saying so search out the So find out what pleases God, what he wills, what he desires, what brings him glory. So find it out that you know it, you understand it, you embrace it, you own it. It's yours. And it's second nature. So that I bring my car to a mechanic, and do you think he's looking at the manual nine times out of ten? He's probably not. Maybe he does. He looks up some stuff, makes sure the... But I mean, come on. Somebody works on Corollas or Siennas. You know, we go, go to the Toyota dealership, you know. They work on Toyotas constantly, right? Come on, they know this stuff. Most of the stuff is second nature to them, right? Because they do it over and over and over again. That's what he's talking about. Now, now think about this. Think about that. Time. Time is our most precious commodity, isn't it? See, when you're talking about stewarding, you have to ask, what are you stewarding? If you're you're stewarding money, you know what it is. Does that make sense? It's tangible. It's tangible, isn't it? Dollars. Well, nowadays it's just numbers on the screen, but no, I'm just but uh, time is tangible, isn't it? It's something that we work with. It really is the context in which we live, is it not? The time is the context in which we serve God and, and, and do his will. It's the context, but time is our most precious commodity. And if you will, it's the equalizer. Nobody has more time than other people. Nobody has less time than other people. Everybody, four hours in a day. Right? Everybody has the same amount of time. But the thing about time is the moment that you live that time, the moment you live that, that moment, it's gone, isn't it? You can't get it back. See, Paul's not saying redeem the time, like buy it back. You can't do that. Once you've spent it, you've spent it, right? So every day, God deposits into our bank account 24 hours. And every day, you spend 24 hours. You are, we are receiving life from God, time to live, to do with, as God has asked. And every day, you are going to spend that somehow, right? There's no rollover minutes, right? It's our most precious commodity. And that's what Paul's talking about here. See, when we're talking about stewarding the life God has given to us, number one, we're stewarding time. Are we not? All the other stuff that we're doing. Think about this, how important this is to think about and to live carefully in this area. All your relationships, the money, the work, your calling, your ministry, all of it, you're stewarding in the context of time. And so if you squander time, you're squandering life, yes? If you squander your time and you don't do with your time what God has called you to do with your time, if someone else is telling you what to do, or if your priorities are off, or you're doing your will or building your kingdom, you're squandering his time. 
that he has given to you as a gift. You guys catching? You guys flowing with me here? If he's the owner and my life is not my life anymore, then how I live my life and how I spend my time is essential to everything else. This is what Paul's calling us to. This is why the Bible, like in Proverbs, we looked at it last week, called the diligence. Diligently taking care of God's stuff. Diligently cultivating God's stuff instead of being lazy with our time. So you notice what Paul says. Be thoughtful of how you live. Redeem the time or make the most of every time, of the moment, of the day, of the hour, of, the, of that season of your life. Don't miss it. Don't squander the time. And then he says, because if you don't make the most of that time, you're being a fool. He says, now, I want you to be wise. The wise the way you use your time. How do you, how do you make the most of every opportunity? Do you see how he does that? Now, I want you to make the most of every opportunity by being wise. Well, well how, how do I make the most of every opportunity? How do I walk in wisdom? How do I steward the time? He says, by understanding the will of God. It makes sense, right? It's so easy. If you're a manager and you're managing someone else's stuff and you want to be faithful to your manager, how can you be faithful to your manager if you don't, I mean, sorry, your owner, if you're the manager, how are you supposed to be faithful to the owner if you don't know what he wants? Right? So if we don't know what God's will is, how can we steward his stuff? If we don't know what God's will is, how are we supposed to bring glory to him and do his will? Do you see? It makes complete sense, doesn't it? This is why Jesus said, Come to me. Hear my sayings. Do them. And you'll be like a man or a woman who built their life on the rock. Did you hear what he said? Come to me. You need to depend on me. Hear my teachings. Right? And then do them. But if you don't know God's will, you can't do it. If you don't come to him and hear his teachings, you can't know what he wills. And if you don't know what he wants you to do, you're just going to have to be guessing or making it up or doing what you think is best. And You might get it right, but most likely, we know us, we'll probably get it wrong. And every one of us will be held accountable to how we have stewarded the life that God has given to us. So did you catch that? How do you steward time? How do you steward time? Well, number one, you need to know God's will. You need to know what your owner wants. So how do we know the will of God? Remember, uh, the Lord says in Deuteronomy 8, He says, man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He's saying, look, I'm trying to teach you something. He was saying to the Israelites, I'm trying to teach you something. That your provision, your bread, does not come just from natural means. When you look at your bank account, it's not just about the dollars that are in the bank account. When you look at your pantry or your refrigerator, it's not just about the food that's in there. God's saying, where did it come from? The blessings in your life, they didn't just appear. The people in your life, they didn't just appear. He says, where did they come from? He's trying to say, listen, they didn't, it doesn't just happen. And you don't just live on that provision. It's not just about the money. It's not just about the time. It's not just about the, the, the food in the pantry or about that marriage that God has given you. It's about who it came from. And he's saying, do you want to know where your provision comes from? You want to know where the blessing comes from? Listen, it comes from my mouth. Why? Because it's from his mouth that we receive the wisdom and the instructions. He's saying, if you will hear my sayings and you will do them, you'll be like on the rock. Storms might come, but I will protect you. I will bless you. I will provide for you. I'll make sure you have bread. I'll make sure you have the money in the account, the food in the pantry or the refrigerator. I'll make sure you have bread because your provision does not come. 
you or just your effort or your work. It comes from me. And you need my instructions. This is what the Lord wants. If we're going to know, if we're going to do His will, we need to know His will from the Word of God. He's saying, you need to know my will. The bread, the, the bread it says the provision He comes from, every word. We live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word. This is why Proverbs 3, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. You say, God, I need a job. What is that? Direction. Not just provision. Direction. What's my calling? What's my purpose? Lord, I want to do your will, but, but do I marry this person? What is that? Direction. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. You say, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm acknowledging you in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Do you need provision? Do you need guidance? Do you need the blessing of God? Do you need either a storm has hit you or the storm's coming, right? Jesus said, when the storm arises in Luke chapter 6. When the storm arises. He didn't say, some people, the storm. He said, when, right? Every one of us, a storm's going to come. Economic crisis has come. Difficulties come. We get sick. And the Lord's saying, do you on the rock? Do you want direction? Do you want provision? He's saying, I'm a good owner. I'm going to give you all of those things. He's trying to teach us how to steward his stuff and to receive these things from him. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 2 Timothy 3, Paul says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning God breathed. God breathed. That God, by His Spirit, breathed the Word of God, spoke it into being. Well, I thought people wrote Of course. Second Peter chapter 1 says it this way. It gives more explanation to Second, uh, Timothy 3. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20 says... Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, or some translations say origin, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, or literally blown along by the Holy Spirit. See, God's Spirit wrote the Bible through people. It's the only book in all of the world, that is the self-disclosure or revelation of God himself. How do you know who God is except from the Bible? How do we know what his will is except from the Bible? Amen? That's what it means by the scriptures. The word scripture means that which is written. And it's referring to you guys ever wonder about like canonization and where we get the books and who picked the books? Just, I teach a class on it. We teach it here at the church. I'll help you understand all that. But listen, he's talking about all the scripture, both in Peter and Paul mentions this. Jesus talks about all the scripture, all that is written, referring to Genesis all the way to Revelation. Some of them, Peter was referring to Paul's books as well as the Old Testament. He's saying all that is written, all these script, all the scripture, these books that have been written, that we know... The, the Holy Spirit spoke through people, and God revealed himself. The Bible is the revelation of who God is and what he wants, what he wills, what he loves, what he hates, right? So here is this book, the scriptures, that tell us who the owner is, tells us what his business is, what your job description is, what the benefits are, your payment package tells you what he wants, what he doesn't want. The word of God is like a manual, isn't it? It's like an operating manual. Now, it's far more than that. You know, people say Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good point. But it's not written, by the way, it's not written like rule, 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 instruction, instruction, instruction. No, it's written as the, this revelation of God as he walks in relation with people. It's this divine story. 
And like I said, it's not just like a manual in the, in the classic sense of an operating manual, but you do get this revelation of who he is, what he loves, what he hates, what he wills. But when it comes to stewarding his kingdom, the Bible clearly, clearly tells us what he wants. All throughout the Bible, we're given wisdom about how to steward his kingdom. All through the Bible, we're told what he wills and what he wants. And so for a steward, for a manager of God's stuff, here we are with this book, the scriptures written by God through people, and we're told exactly what he wants and doesn't want. We're given a manual. But what's great is the same Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible is living on the inside of us. The Bible itself tells us that we're to seek the commands of God and to seek God himself. The Bible commands us and tells us that we don't just need the manual, we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, there's people who will... Um, They'll get all excited about the Holy Spirit. And literally they'll say, oh man, we just need, you just need to hear God. You just need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you don't need the Bible anymore because the Holy Spirit, you know, we got the Holy Spirit now. We don't need the Bible. And, you know, they literally will say things like the written word is dead. And the Holy Spirit, it's rhema word. Sometimes they use the word rhema. It's a misuse of the word though. It's a good word study. I'll give you that another day. It says that's, it's living. Whoa, wait a minute. What are you talking about? The Bible itself says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word, the logos, the written scriptures are, are living and active. This is not like any other book. This is not like some, just some, some history book or some novel. This is the word of God. The God, the creator of the universe, wrote this book through people. And because the Holy Spirit is alive and eternal, this book is living. Amen? Anybody like the Bible? I like the Bible. I'm getting excited here. Are you getting excited? But then there are other people who say, well, now that we have the Bible, we have the canon. We have the canon. It's all closed. Some people will say, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit to speak. Or some people will even say, go so far to say, you, you, you don't need the, the Holy Spirit, or you shouldn't hear God. Or even some people, you can't hear God. Like God either sh- like shouldn't, or we can't, or he doesn't directly communicate to his people anymore. People will talk like that. I know some of you are like, what? Because you go to this church, but that's hilarious to me. Sadly hilarious. You want to know why? Because the Bible itself tells us we need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Commands, models it, From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible itself, the scriptures, the manual tells us. Hey, in the manual, just letting you know, you need to be led by the Spirit. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that people are like, okay, we got the manual. We don't need the owner anymore. But then isn't it funny that some people, they're like, well, I can just call the owner directly so I don't need the manual. Do you need the written scriptures to know the will of God? Yes. And do you need the leading of the Spirit to know the will of God, particularly in your life for specifics on what you're to do in this time, in this place? Yes. So should you consult the manual if you need to know the will of God? Or should you go and you have a meeting with the owner? Or should you do both? See, I don't know about you guys, but if I were an owner... And somebody was calling me and asking me questions that were already in the manual. Do you know what I would say? Did, did you? I wrote about that. Did you, did, you, did you check the manual on that? Now, I might be gracious at first, right? Oh, I figure this person's new, right? And of course, you know how that is when people are new believers and they just love the Lord and they're seeking after God and they say, God, I need to know your will. They don't know the Bible, right? You're a new believer. You, you don't know the Bible. Oh, my goodness. The Lord would just speak to you. I mean, I had this all the time, right? Even in my own life, God would lead me to the portions of the Bible, tell me what to read. He'd reveal himself while I read the Bible. He'd tell me stuff. I mean, there's stuff now that I know that are like biblical principles that I live by and I teach. And I'll tell people sometimes, man, I learned that when I was a new Christian. I didn't even know. I didn't even know it's in the Bible, right? 
There's a lot of things that when you're a new believer, you call the owner up. Say, God, you're crying out to God, God, I need your help, I need your wisdom. And the owner speaks to you. The Lord, the Lord will speak to you. Jesus actually said this about the Holy Spirit. This is one of those times uh, uh, when he told us, right? It's in the scriptures. Jesus himself said this about the Holy Spirit. I still have many things to say to you. This is in John 16. I still have many things to say to you, says Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, called the paraclete, right? The one who comes alongside, the helper, the counselor, he walks with you. He's saying, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. He's going to walk alongside of you. And he says, when I send you the spirit of truth and he has come, he will guide you, guide you into all truth. Into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He'll tell you things to come. There's two things going on there, isn't there? Here's the spirit of truth. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit, right? Didn't we just see that? The Holy Spirit moved men along to speak. Yes? And the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. It's referring to the written word of God. And where will the Holy Spirit guide you? Into all. This is not rocket science. He will guide you into all. Right? He will guide you into all truth. So will the writer of the scriptures reveal to you the scriptures? Yeah. Listen, if you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth, you'll get the whole thing wrong anyways. Left up to our own interpretation and our own understanding, we misinterpret. That's what people, people say. Well, you know, it's just up to your own interpretation. There's a lot of gray in the Bible. No, 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 no. There's not. There might be some, but there is not. Listen, there are things in the Bible that are black and white, clear cut, right and wrong, truth and lie. And we need that, don't we? Us weird, fickle Lean on our own understanding. Human beings that don't like to do the will of God. God knew we need the Bible, don't we? We need the concrete, written, word of God, Holy Spirit of truth, writing the Bible to us. Here it is. There it is. So that you and I could look at the Bible clearly. And I, I get really passionate about this because I teach people how to study the Bible in context so we don't mess this thing up. It's not hard. You literally need help to mess it up. From people, I mean. But you need the Holy Spirit to get this thing right. And when you get into the Word of God, it's so clear. It's so, it's so, so clear. So you're a new believer and you call the owner up and you say, God, I need some help. But you're my owner. And the Lord wants to help you. But listen, if you're a steward of his stuff and you, and you keep calling him and you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We are so prone to be led by feelings, by our own understanding, by opening closed doors, guessing. Listen, if you're like, well, if God wants to do it, he'll just open a door. That's leaning on your own understanding. You're leading by feelings. That's leaning on your own understanding. Listen, that's what the whole point of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. Pick the tree of life, meant to listen to his word and walk with him and follow him and do it his way. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, I think we'll just do this because we want to do this, right? It's figuring it out on your own. Leaning on your own understanding. Making up what you think is right and wrong. That's why we need the Bible, Right? So if I was the owner, and I, I think God is like this, by the way. If I were the owner and you kept calling me and saying, what do you want me to do? And I really feel like this. And hey, can I paint the building purple? And you know, I love you very much. And thank you. Thank you for all you do. Uh, did you read the manual? Did you? Because I made that really clear. Listen, there are things that you do not need to ask God about if you've read the manual. I don't mean you can't ask or ask questions and wrestle with, with the Lord. What I'm talking about is like, you know, God, um, I was thinking, you know, in order to get the provision, I was thinking I, I could steal from my customers. You know, I just kind of tricked them a little bit. And I mean, but, and that's like your way of providing for me, right? I mean, I, look, we don't need to guess about a lot of things in the Bible. Lord, I mean, is it your will for me to commit adultery? I mean, because... I mean, I'm, it's, it's really all about my happiness. I'm not really stewarding this relationship, so is it okay if I commit adultery? Do you really have to ask God that question, right? And anyone who's thinking that way is obviously not living according to the manual, yes? 
The Bible makes it so clear, isn't it? That your yes be yes and your no be no. Faithfulness, love, right? You don't have to wonder, if you will, every day of your life. Do you realize God is a God of rule? I don't mean like he's this a tyrant giving you rules. I mean like he's a God of order. The sun rises and sets. There's gra- Do you wake up in the morning and wonder, oh, I hope you don't... Oh man, I hope, I hope I don't fly away today. Like I hope gravity still works today, right? Listen, the God who created everything, he set the spirit realm and the physical realm in order. The word of God tells us how things work. Sin brings death. So you're like, huh, okay. Um, yeah, I was just thinking that, um, I was thinking it'd be a good idea to lie in this situation. I think it'd be a good idea to lie in this situation, God. What do you think? What do you think? Is that a good idea? Listen, that's, you're breaking, you're going against the manual, right? Why are we even asking those things? What I'm saying is, of the will of God is already crystal clear, black and white, in the manual. And if you know the manual, you know the will of God. How well do you know the manual? How often are you wondering what the will of God is? Well, I wonder. How often are you being deceived by the enemy and wondering? You're talking to the, right? Some dude, you hire some dude and he comes into your workplace, right? You're the manager, God's the owner. And the guy comes in and says, I think we should change the name of this business. What do you, what do you, we start, oh, well, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I don't know. Hmm. We start dialoguing with the enemy. Obviously, we're not worried about changing the name of business. No, I'm talking like, we're, we start dialoguing with the enemy about sin. We actually wonder if maybe the sin will be God's will. Maybe foolishness will be God's will. Maybe, hmm, I don't know, I wonder if, and we're dialoguing with this, like, employee who wants to usurp God's authority and your authority, right? That's the whole point of the garden, by the way, right? The serpent came in, and God didn't lose his authority. We lost our authority. We listened to the wrong guy, and we became slaves to the devil. Why? Because even though we're the managers, whenever you're listening to some other dude, he now has control over your life. Do you understand that? If you're doing the will of the enemy or your own will, which he's inspired, then you become enslaved to that. And you're no longer walking in the authority and the freedom that God has given you. You see that? So what do we need to do? We need to consult the owner, don't we? By going to the manual. But then there are these particular things, right? Jesus said not only will the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth, but that he will, he will show you things to come. Show you things to come. And so we need the Holy Spirit to show us what to do next. Your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet, right? Specifics. How can the Bible be a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet if it's not shedding light as you read the manual and you're hanging out with the author of the manual? Hey, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, I need you to show me things to come. I need you to show me what to do about this. What the Lord wants to do, he's never going to contradict his word, but he's going to take from the word of God and he's going to personalize it to you and apply it to you and bring light to your understanding. And he's going to show you how to steward your relationships, steward your time, how you're going to fulfill your calling, how you're going to obey God in this particular situation. That makes sense, amen? So do we need the manual or do we need the meeting? Both. If you have a question about the will of God, should you consult the Bible? Yes, but should you stop and ask God, Lord, I need your understanding here. I want you to lead me and guide me in all my ways. But I want to do your will, so I I need you to speak to me, guide me into all truth. Do you need to do that too? Yes. Really, we need to know the manual way before we have a problem or a question, don't we? Called orientation. You're supposed to get into the Word of God. This is why believers need to be saturated in the Word of God, trained in the Word of God. We're settled in the will of God, in the, in the Word of God. We need word so that we can know His will, so that we're not guessing or like every two seconds, like me trying to fix my car. Right? Oh, wait a minute. The next screw, this one. Right? What did Paul say? But understand the will of God. Come to a place where you so know the will of God, you so know the Word of God. That it's like second nature to you. 
And so you so know, and you so know that you can stop, ask, and listen. You can stop and say, okay, I know your manual says this, but I really need to know, should I take this job or not? Is this your will for me? Do you want me to move somewhere else? Because that's a really big one, God. These big major decisions, and even I would say, even on particular things, very even small or particular items in our life, decisions we need to make from day to day, the way I might lead my family or lead this church, there's even scheduled events. Okay, Lord, I just want to stop and ask you, I mean, is this your will? Are you leading here in this? We know what the manual says, but we also need to know how the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us into these things. Do you understand? So you need the manual and you need the meeting. I'm telling you, this is all over the Bible. Let me just end with a couple of stories here. See, it's all over the Bible. Did Jesus, Jesus, the Word of God, who lived by the Bible, never sinned, even he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. On very specific things, where he would go, what city he'd go to, who he laid hands on, he listened to the Lord, right? You remember Joshua? I'm going to jump over here and tell you a few stories here. Remember Joshua? God told him in Joshua chapter 1, meditate, meditate, in the book of the law, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. This book of the law, talking about the five books of the Old Testament. He's saying, meditate in this. That which is written, I want you to meditate in it. Give yourself to it. Study it. Was he a pastor? No, he's a leader, a, 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 a military political leader, right? He's not like going to seminary. He's meditating the word. Why? Because God said, then you'll be able to do according to all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God is saying, look, you need to know what I said in my word so you know who I am and you know what I'm going to do and you know how to do it, right? But how did it actually look in Joshua's life? Did Joshua consult God? Yeah, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't an angel show up and tell Joshua exactly how to take Jericho? Do you think that the Torah told uh, Joshua how to take Jericho? No. He needed the timely specific instruction from God of how to take Jericho, yes? If they didn't march around the walls seven times and shout to those, I mean, uh, seven days and shout to those walls, would the walls fall down? No. See, it's funny that people think, well, now that we have the principles, we don't need God. No, you need God, but the principles are from him, right? So God's telling Joshua, listen, you need to meditate in my word day and night. You need to know this manual. You need to know the principles. But did you know Joshua, when he went after the second city called Ai, 30-some people died. You want to know why? Because he didn't ask God. Joshua's like, what happened? I thought you were with us. I've been meditating the word. I mean, he didn't say this, but I mean, he said it. He basically said, God, I thought you were with us. God said, get up, stop crying. Get up. He said, there's sin in the camp. Joshua did not ask God, how do you want us to take this city? How do you want us to take this city? And what happened was, a man named Achan had stolen stuff from Jericho, everything in Jericho was supposed to be given to the Lord as a first offering to the Lord. There's a principle there, but, and, 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 and Achan uh, didn't do that. Achan stole some stuff. If Joshua had asked the Lord, were commanded in the Bible to consult the Lord, ask God, how do you want me to do this? Not just what do you want me to do, but how? See, Joshua was thinking, okay, God is with us. Let's just take these cities. Boom, 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 boom. And he started operating on his own understanding. We can do that a lot of times. Well, God's with me. God's blessed me. Let's do this. Boom, boom, boom. And we do it on our understanding. And then we fall into some traps here. And God says to Joshua, unless you deal with that sin, I, I, I can't be with you. So they deal with the sin. Just like in our own life, God wants to bless us, but we need to get that sin confessed, dealt with. Once they dealt with the sin, then they say, God, how do you want us to do this? And God gave them a strategy of how to take AI. King David was the same way. Do you realize David built his life on the word of God? He sang the word, prayed the word, studied the word. He was a man of the word. And here's David, a man after God's own heart. And if you remember, when he took, um, when he became king, the Philistines came after David, came after him. See, a lot of times, you start following the Lord and the enemy starts attacking you. you say, I'm trying to live for God. And you need freedom and deliverance as his steward, right? As his he wants to provide and protect for you. The Philistines come after David, and David says, God, how do you want me to handle this? And God says, go straight up into the valley, and I'm, you're going to defeat them. And he did. Then the Philistines came back. See, a lot of you guys, you're saying, man, I, thought he, I, I already got freedom, and now the devil's back, right? A lot of times you get breakthrough, and the enemy's going to try to challenge that breakthrough. David had just become king. Philistines are challenging that breakthrough. And then he defeats the Philistines, and they come back again. 
Listen, just because the enemy starts attacking you again doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. You say, God, help me. But what did David do? He did not go up the same way. What if David would have gone up the same way? He would have lost. So David says, this is uh, in uh, 13, 14. And David says, God, the second time, what do you, how do you want me to do this? And God says, don't go straight up. I think it's because the Philistines already learned that strategy and he would have lost. God says, go around the back, and when you hear marching in the tops of the trees, which were basically angels going before him, giving him victory, he says, when you, have the, when you hear those angels, you advance. And guess what happened? He won. See, Joshua, David, they made mistakes. But see, David learned from Joshua's mistakes. Ask God every time. Amen? I got the manual. I got the manual. God's with me. Okay, walk in integrity, honor, submission to godly authority, walk in purity, walk in holiness, don't tell lies. I mean, whatever, right? Okay, I know what the word says. I know what the word says. But what do you, how do you want me to do this? Okay, right after that, David says, look, we're going to bring the ark of God into, into the, uh, Jerusalem. David took Jerusalem. Now it's the city of David. I want the ark with me. The ark was a representation of the presence of God. He said, man, I want the ark with me. So David, this is a man after God's own heart, loves God. He says, we're going to bring the ark into my, into my city, and we're going to love the Lord. We're going to love on the Lord. As they're bringing the ark in, they're bringing the ark on a cart with wheels pulled by oxen. They're loving God here. Good hearts. The oxen trip. The cart wobbles. The ark is over. Uzzah reaches his hand out, touches the ark. Well-meaning, helping the ark out here. Guess what happens? Died. David was freaked out. It's the only time in the Bible where David was like, I am scared of God right now. He, da- David was mad at God. He's like, what did you do that for? And he was scared. So they put the ark over in Obed-Edom's house for a few months. And guess what David did? He sought the Lord. He sought God in the word. And as a good leader does, he brought all the leaders together, 1 uh, Chronicles 15, and he explained to them. He said, listen, and this is a good leader. He brings everyone together. And he says, I messed up. Or actually he said, we messed up. We did this the wrong way. We did this the wrong way. See, what's supposed to happen is the Levites are supposed to carry it. And he explains to them how they're supposed to do it. And he says, the reason why this happened is because last time we didn't do it according to the law of Moses. You guys catching this? He didn't do according to the manual. He didn't do it God's way. He did not honor God. See, it's a tough story because we're like, dude, Uzzah's just a good guy. David's just a good guy. Why did they die? I know, it's one of those things where you're like, dang, that stinks. But listen, sometimes, more often than sometimes, we think we're doing it because, oh, we love Jesus. And never think, when I'm preaching the word of God to you, I'm not preaching hard sometimes because God's condemning you. No, I'm preaching hard because, man, we need to know this stuff. We need to grow up, and we need to get wisdom. And God is saying, learn from Joshua, learn from David. You need to consult the manual and know the will of God, and we need to stop and ask God. Okay? Amen? Okay, let's stand and respond. <clears throat> Went a little bit longer today, you know, those moms. No, I'm joking around. It's all these prophetic words. But I, I really felt strongly that we need to hear these stories and we need to hear this and understand that it's actually God himself in the Bible who wants us to consult the manual and to have a meeting with him. Okay, now this is why every day I'm telling God, you're my Lord, you're my owner, and I'm consecrating every aspect of my life every single day. What I'm trying to tell you is this is not just a sermon for me, This is the word of the Lord for you, but it's also the way I live. And then I tell the Lord, God, what's your will? What are you saying to me? What are you saying? And then I come before the Lord and I study the word. This is why we're in the word every day. I think a lot of times the reason why we don't press into the word of God, and you don't just have to read it. You can listen to it. You can listen to it preached. But I think the reason why we stop reading the word of God or pressing into the word or we neglect fellowship like this is because we, we forget God wants to be known, but he also, we need to know his will. And what happens, we start neglecting the word, or we start neglecting that time with God, thinking we can just do it in our own effort. 
Well, I don't want to be like Uzzah. <laughs> I want to learn from these people in the Bible and do it the way that they, they did it sometimes and not do it the way they did it other times, right? I want to be a man of God, and I know you guys want to be men and women of God who know God and know His will. And so let's right now, before we run off and hang out with our moms, let's stop and make sure our hearts to the Lord. This is what he's doing in us as a church. You understand this, right? He's wanting us to give, he's wanting us to give our whole hearts to him as Lord. And what that really looks like is we'll come, we'll hear, and we'll do. Amen? How can we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, if I'm not following him? Okay? Begin to tell the Lord right now. Just begin to tell the Lord, you're my Lord. You're my master. You are my owner. I give you my heart. Just go ahead and I'm going to invite you to repeat after me. Just say, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord. You're my owner. And I give you my life right now as a living sacrifice. I choose to come to hear you and to do what you say. I want my life on the rock. I want to please you with my whole life. Bring you glory and do your will. And I want your blessings in my life. So I give you my life as a living sacrifice. You are my Lord. I will follow you. And now ask the Lord, just take a couple seconds. Say, Lord, what's your will? Lord, speak to me right now. I know it's a general question. Just ask him, Lord, what do you want of me? What do you want me to do? What's your will, Lord? Speak. All right, this week and every week, you press into the Word of God and you give Him time to speak. It takes a lot longer than seconds. I do this every day, but then sometimes I get away hours or days just to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what's your will for my life in these areas? And I set goals, and then I put those goals into my schedule. I want to challenge you. Don't just hear the message today, but go after, press into God, press into His Word, press into Him, and really seek the Lord. Lord, how do you... What do you want me to do? Let's say you want to break through in your marriage. God, what do you want me to do? All right? Amen, church? Amen. Well, bless you. You have a great Mother's Day, and we're going to have prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for anything, healing on the inside, maybe it's a tough day for you, you need physical healing, you need blessing, you need, you need guidance, there's going to be prayer teams right up here. But otherwise, thanks for helping us with the chairs and such, and bless you. Have a great day.